We're going to start off with our State of the Nation discussion with Daniela Ellerbeck, uh, who's an attorney with the High Court in South Africa, and she also serves as a parliamentary liaison. She's a graduate from Rhodes University, and she has specialized in litigation. She represents an organization called 4SA. 4SA is Freedom of Religion South Africa. It is a legal advocacy organization which works to protect and promote our constitutional right to religious freedom in South Africa. Daniela, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Always a pleasure to talk to you and your listeners, Mark. And my understanding is this morning we're going to be talking about the white paper uh, that's been released on marriages in South Africa. Um, It's recently been released by the Department of Home Affairs and it provides the policy framework for all types of marriage in South Africa. Actually, I watched a video where Michael was so excited this week as he was talking about um, about this uh, this particular subject, and uh, yeah, I just uh, r- realized that um, the, the the work that you guys do really does result um, in in wonderful results. So thank you so much for that, Daniela. But maybe let's just kick it off with um, a, a recapping on the reason why this white paper actually exists and and how do these things get developed so the white paper precedes what will be a law that governs all marriages in south africa um so a single marriage statute or a single marriage act and um the white paper is the policy which sets out the framework and makes recommendations about the positions that this law needs to adopt Mm. now listeners and viewers may know that currently in South Africa there are various pieces of laws that deal with different types of marriages Um, so for example we've got the Marriage Act um, we've got the Civil Union Act we've got the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act but then in South Africa we also have other types of marriages that aren't um, covered or incorporated in these statutes Um, so for example marriages um, like solemnized according to Hindu or Muslim rights are not automatically recognized. They would need to be registered, um, for example, under the Marriage Act, under the Civil Union Act in order to be legally recognized. Um, And they would need to comply with these formalities such as the presence of witnesses, presence of both parties and so forth. Um, So this has resulted in a lot of marriages being concluded in the country um, that aren't legally automatically recognized by the Department of Home Affairs. And the courts have told the department, look, you need to remedy the situation. And the department is looking, therefore, to fill these gaps and um, to bring one act that, you know, talks to each different types of marriage that can occur in the country and regulates the formalities concerning these. So, um, and since the initial announcement by Home Affairs, I think it was back in 2018 or 2019, Mark, um, yeah. that it was undertaking this process. Forest A has been fully engaged with the department um, with the focus of ensuring that the right to religious freedom is respected and protected and promoted, as is the state's obligation in terms of the constitution. Um, in both, firstly, the policy and then finally also the act that will result from this. And in doing so, we participated in ministerial dialogues that the department has hosted, we've attended virtual workshops, and we've made very comprehensive submissions to the department and also helped to facilitate public awareness and civil participation in this very important process. Daniela, I mean, one of the advantages of having spoken to yourself 
as well as to Michael over such a long period of time is that you kind of, um, or, or I, I, you, you start to remember and have kind of institutional knowledge of how these things happen. I, I, I mean, and also because the the whole marriage act is so um, intrinsically important to even what I do as a pastor, um, you know, we're, we're involved in hatchings, matchings and dispatchings. And on the matching side, you know, marriage is, is such an important part of of, of how we engage um, with the people that we serve, how we love them and, and where we get involved in people's lives. Um, that, that I was immediately concerned um, when the original uh, drafts came out. But maybe you can just highlight for us just some of the concerns that 4SA had originally raised uh, and, and maybe just flesh out what, what has happened since. So in June last year, Mark, the department published a draft of this white paper, so a draft policy. And 4SA was concerned um, because some of the recommendations included in the policy um, would have potentially forced religious marriage officers. So people like yourself, Mark, um, a pastor who has a marriage license or an imam who has a marriage license um, or a priest who has a marriage license to solemnize. So the religious rights parts of a marriage ceremony um, all marriages, irrespective of whether the marriage agreed with the religious organization that that pastor is part of or that priest is part of, mm. um, that religi- religious organization's doctrine, faith and tenets. Um, so, for example, if you wanted to get married in the Roman Catholic Church, but you had been, you know, not a member of the Roman Catholic Church, you're divorced, all of that, you could potentially force the Roman Catholic priest to marry you. Um, it was it was it was concerning from a religious um, perspective that you would potentially force people in a government policy to do things that would go against their deeply held faith and beliefs. Mm. Um, so, for us, engaged with the department, and um, also when the policy was open for public participation, as regular listeners might be aware, because we live in a democracy, the government has to ask for input on these things from citizens. So we get to exercise our civil rights and tell the government, look, you're not adequately respecting and promoting my rights the way the Constitution says you should. Um, So we were able to encourage others to make submissions and make their voice heard. And the good news is that the department has now published the final version of the policy, which is this white paper. And Forest is pleased to report that the policy is very balanced um, and has duly taken consideration of all these um, inputs that were given. And it makes recommendations, because remember in the beginning of the interview, we said that the policy makes recommendations about the positions that should be adopted in the um, Single Marriage Act that's still to come. Mm. It makes recommendations um, that are very reasonable and which, again, accommodate all members of South Africa's diverse society. Because like Forest A always says, you know, tolerance is a two-way street. You need to tolerate everyone in society and the government doesn't get to pick and choose about which rights in the constitution it respects and promotes. It needs to protect and respect and promote all of them. I mean, so, I mean, basically, this is a good news story. This this is something to get excited about. This is a win for religious freedom. This is a feather in the cap of uh, freedom mm. of religion. Uh, we're heading down the, 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 right, uh, the right road. And maybe just to say to the listeners, because the listeners do get involved and do engage when you guys wave a flag or when you say, please get involved in terms of uh, requests for comments or submissions uh, or petitions 
politicians or whichever way uh, you, you have directed them in the past, um, listeners have gotten engaged. And so uh, your voice really does matter. Um, your voice really does matter, South Africa. Our politicians do need to listen uh, to our public. And so um, praise the Lord that that has been happening. And, and maybe just for your encouragement, um, uh, Daniela, whenever you guys are on air, we get... Um, uh, grateful listeners often after you guys uh, sign off but uh, just this morning uh, Tinker says I'm listening from Robinson and I want to say thank you to 4SA for their faithful work um, and speaking up for us um, often get those kinds of comments um, and so I wanted to relay one to you um, but maybe just back to the policy uh, what are the recommendations that are being made in this particular policy so significant recommendations would firstly be um, regarding marriage offices. So the policy makes a recommendation uh, which 4SA actually supported um, in the draft version, which is broaden the scope of marriage offices. So broaden the scope of who is allowed to become a marriage officer. So this will allow members from all religious and social groups um, to be designated as marriage officers yes. and then to solemnize relationships that are in line with their religious beliefs, their value systems, um, while still observing the overall requirements of the you know, future single marriage legislation that's still to come. Um, secondly, it also recommends, which is another proposal that 4SA supported, um, that civil marriage officers, so for example, in other words, the Department of Home Affairs employees who are employed as marriage officers, so not your past who has a marriage license, mm. but your state employee who is employed to conclude marriages at the Department of Home Affairs. Um, it, so the policy recommends that the ceremonial functions, the, solemn, the solemnizing yes. function, be removed from the administrative function because okay. the state is only responsible, like the state shouldn't get involved in religious functions. It yes. should only be responsible for the administrative side of things. Yes. So it recommends splitting those two. Um, so again, because civil marriage officers are required to conclude all marriages and register all marriages in the Republic, um, this would respect their conscience and religions and beliefs as well because they're not forced you know to participate in the religious side of a ceremony that goes against their beliefs wow, they're just yes. you know being asked to register and do the administrative side of it which of course like that is completely to be expected and that is fair so in our view this is a welcome splitting between the functions of the state and religious organizations excellent uh, i as you're talking um a, a pastor writes in um, so th this is a little bit left field, uh, Daniela, but, but a pastor writes in with a question. It's Roland Eskenazi. He's a long-time listener. Um, he's actually located in Brussels, okay? But, but don't be dismissive. Uh, <laughs> don't be dismissive of the question because it's not a South African. Um, but uh, he, he says we're preparing position papers on the Bible's teaching on marriage for our local church. Now, I, I think that that's, that that's wise and helpful um, for local churches. And it's something that I remember you you guys have spoken to in the past just the importance for there to be some kind of written document in terms of of where church stands on these matters so that they can point to an existing policy that a local church has um, when people come through the door and say we'd like to get hitched um, how, how, how does this work and you know in certain cases you can say well we're no we're not able to assist you um, because of this policy or we are able to assist you a any idea where you might point any pastor that's listening in right now 
um, in terms of resources um, so that they can start to just think through these things from a legal perspective um, so that our, our document is not just um, addressing um, our faith and belief but also takes into account whatever legal ramifications we need to put in place. Is there something to your knowledge that's out there that's easily accessible that people can that I can refer people to? So uh, let's perhaps start with Rowan, who is in Brussels. Yes. Um, hi, Rowan. Um, I hope that the weather in Brussels is good. <laughs> um, so from a position perspective, I would say that um, a, a, a safe standpoint would be for a church to only conclude marriages between people or members. Ah, okay. um, and then for the requirement for membership, um, to be, for example, to adhere to a statement of faith and mm. a constitution, mm. which can then set out all of those beliefs. Um, because, yeah, like if, if that, I think that's the safest way to make sure that a church's right to um, religious freedom and freedom of association is protected adequately. Uh, um, so that, for example, if you get approached by people who are members, you can say, look, we only, we only, um, you know, do solemnize marriages for people who are members. If mm. you would like to become members, here, for example, it's an orientation course. Here is what we believe. Um, if you want to become members, you need to agree to adhere to this. Um, you also need to go through premarital counseling. These are all just ideas. Um, for Rowan Hairs in Brussels, um, I would say perhaps contact ADF International. They're based in Brussels as well, so they're quite, I mean, they're in the same city as him. Um, they would probably be able to assist. They've got a lot of policy documents. I know the law in Europe is quite different and there is quite a strong push. I mean, I got emailed through something last week about um, a push in terms of hate speech. So the laws in Europe are um, possibly heading to be being more progressive at the moment than what South Africa's is. Um, but I think that would be the safest place for him. But again, I think the general position of have a constitution for your church, have a statement of faith, have people as members who agree to adhere to this, that they believe this too. Those are the ways, I think, to protect a church's freedom of association. Daniela, that's that's so helpful. Um, and uh, Roland says thanks for that. While, while he was talking, uh, and last question, and then we'll sign off. But while he was talking, uh, Christine first said, thank you so much um, for this insert and well done to 4SA. Uh, for the work that they're doing but then just asks the question does this also apply for marriage venues does this have any impact on marriage venues so marriage venues that would obviously depend on a variety of things um, the policy doesn't impact marriage venues no okay. this has to go with the solemnizing of marriages and so forth but marriage venues um, I mean you would be aware there's um, many cases currently, um, one of the foremost being that people might be aware of Beloftebos, um, who, for example, is a Christian-owned wedding business, but it's not on church property, it's on the family's private farm, and they only wanted to do biblical marriages, yes. and they're now currently facing an unfair discrimination case in the Cape Town High Court, mm. um, because um, our Equality Act, our Promotion of Equality Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act, um, says that you know if you do a public business essentially um you need to um you need to make it available to everyone um and yeah so the case currently is like okay well is is this unfair discrimination because actually you also need to consider their right to religious freedom and they're intimately involved in planning a wedding it's not that they just 
list the venue and say, here's the keys. Go that's do, right. Yes. You know, Azure keys. Um, so that obviously that's currently pending. So for wedding venues, it's a total different basket of fish um, or kettle of fish. But for um, marriage offices, this policy applies. Excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Daniela. Uh, that was very, very informative. Um, maybe just briefly, what are the next steps uh, from you? Um, uh, you know, wh- where to from you, both for this policy and how will this affect um, the statutes, our, our legal framework? So next step is obviously, as I said in the beginning, um, the policy is the first part. It sets, you know, the, what the recommendations are for what positions should be taken in mm. a single marriage act. So the next part is obviously the single marriage act. Yes. And as some listeners may know, an act starts off as a proposed law in this country known as a bill. And um, that bill is open to public comment. So the department is currently still busy with the bill. Um, it hasn't yet been open for public comment, but the policy recommends that this bill should be an omnibus bill. So for example, um, that it has one chapter dealing with Hindu marriages, one yes. chapter dealing with Muslim marriages, um, which is something for us they actually proposed and is in favor of because um, you can't use a cookie cutter approach because every religion and every <clears throat> Um, you know, religious organization and so forth has different requirements. Um, so it's the best way to still have a single marriage act that addresses all the different types of marriages um, while still respecting the equality and the dignity of every type. Excellent. Well, uh, yeah, very informative uh, conversation, Daniela. Thank you so much. Always appreciate um, engaging with you guys. Uh, um, yeah, and maybe just to say that folk that are interested in this conversation, folk that maybe want to watch the video that or the the, the short snippet that I alluded to in terms of uh, Michael's conversation on this, uh, folk that might be interested in a newsletter that will keep them um, in brief in terms of everything that's happening uh, in this area in South Africa are welcome to go to the 4SA website that's www.4SA that's F-O-R-S-A dot org dot Z-A and uh, there there's all the kind of important policy and bill information that's available um, and that's current you guys are very informative and links to any submissions that you're calling on South Africans to make um, and people can also I guess follow you guys on social media everyone's on social media nowadays uh, that is Freedom of Religion SA on Facebook Daniela thank you so much for your time Thank you, Mark. Um, I just want to say that we do have a newsletter coming out uh, at the end of the month. So if people want to sign up for the newsletter, now's a good time. They'll get the first one um, at the end of the month. Excellent. Thank you. And and maybe also just to add that this conversation, if you want to forward it on to a pastor friend um, or someone in your church that's interested in these kinds of things, this will be podcast and available um, around 12 o'clock, between 12 and a half past 12 this morning um, on podcast. You can search for Table Talk with Mark um, on Google and that should get you there. Thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of your day.